Hi, this is Dan Sullivan. I'd like to welcome you to the Multiplier Mindset Podcast. I've got a great entrepreneurial story for you today, and this is Katie Ridlin, and Katie lives in Edinburgh in Scotland. I think it was last summer, Katie had jumped from the Signature Program in Strategic Coach to the 10X Program. Katie's got a long, long connection to Strategic Coach because her father in the 1990s, Forbes Ridlin, was in Strategic Coach, and she got the basics even before she got into the business. She was telling us a story when we interviewed her that she joined her father during the dot-com bust in the year 2000, and then she took over her father's firm during the Great Recession, 2008-2009, and now she's really ramping up her business and took a huge jump during the global pandemic. <laughs> so, you know, it was really interesting. We had a connector call. Katie was on it, and Katie shows up for everything. She was saying, you know, the worse that things get for other people in the world, in other words, not that bad things are happening, but people think bad things are happening, you know, they make up stuff to scare themselves. She said, the more that people scare themselves with what's going on in the world, the calmer I get. So she said, what are bad things for other people really aren't bad things for me. And it was fascinating because that seems to be the general direction that all of our strategic coach entrepreneurs, especially the ones who are really innovative and really ambitious, they don't see bad news as bad news for them. Bad news is a chance to create unique kinds of solutions and unique kinds of value for their clients who are scared. But there's one concept in coach that I think Katie has just totally mastered, and it's called The Gap and the Gain. So my name is Katie Ridland, and I run a financial planning business in Edinburgh, Scotland. I'm a second generation in the business and followed in the footsteps of my father. I started as his assistant, and I worked with him for eight years, a good old-fashioned apprenticeship. And I bought his business at that point, and then it's 13 years later now, and I head up a team of six. The main emphasis I place on my business is one of being able to educate and to be able to help people reach their financial goals and their aspirations. Within my team, we're always looking for continuous development, and as such, we're actually just about to start a book club where we are reviewing one of Dan's books every month so that everybody can start to use and implement his processes. I also spend a lot of time working with children. I do financial education in schools. In October, I worked with 240 final year students and gave them all a one hour lesson on budgeting over a couple of weeks. And this is something that I want to really take forward. I have an ambition to educate 10,000 children by 2030 in financial education, because it's just the foundation to financial freedom and to being able to live the life that you want. I'm also mentoring some recently qualified financial advisors within Edinburgh, because again, it's about paying it forward. It's really interesting because when I go into school and do it, because we tend to look at two age groups, we look at your sort of 17 and 18 year olds, 
And then we also look at ones who are just about to go into secondary school. So that's about 11, 12 years old. When we're there, a lot of the teachers are going, I wish I knew, you know, I'm learning things from what you're doing with them, but I wish I'd had this. I never got financial education at school. And I was fortunate that it was the family business. So I learned sort of from that perspective. But I'm not only second generation of the business, I'm second generation strategic coach because my father was in coach as well. So back then in the late 1990s, he used to come over to Toronto every 90 days to do the program. So I suppose it's in the blood, so to speak. I think when I first came across it, it really kind of brought home to me was I had one of those, of course, I go through this all the time. I'm constantly moving between what is the perceived gap and the perceived gain. And I think for me, I suddenly realized I'm one of these people, I'm a 10 quick start. So I have a hundred ideas before breakfast. And one of the challenges with that is that it's trying to land all those ideas and actually make them happen. And it's very easy in that situation that you can get stuck in the gap of all that has to happen. And I think for me, what I've always been very aware of is the concept. And for me, I'm visual. So I always think of it very much as that I'm starting out on a journey and my horizon are these hills. And that's the destination that I'm aiming for. And as I'm going along on that journey, you're always looking at where you're going to. And what I've realized is that life gives you false summits that no sooner than you realize that you think I've reached my goal there's always another goal. But what I've learned to do is to look in the rear view mirror so that I can really see how far I've come. And I find that incredibly motivating because I don't feel I'm starting from zero. It's not a standing start. Every time I move on to a new project, I'm building on what I've already gained. So I can go into the gap to identify where I need to be, but I can come back and build it and grow it from the certainty of the gain that I've already accomplished. In a way, it's a little bit like making sure you have strong foundations, that you're building it on stone and on rock, you're not building it on sand. So it means that even if you do have a setback, you can reset and then move forward again. So in a general term, I'd say that's kind of how I implement it. But I was thinking about it before today, thinking about specific times that I've used it. And more often than not, I actually use it as a tool to motivate others because I know they don't understand it, that people get lost, they get stuck in the gap. And I think sometimes it's easier for you to see it than for them to see it themselves. A really good example was we brought on somebody 18 months ago into the business and it was the first time they'd been in this particular environment and for their onboarding we spent a lot of time talking about the gap and the gain and I explained the concept to her and I said to her right now you're starting the journey and all you see in front of you is the gap between who you are and who you think you should be in this role but what we're going to do is we're going to keep looking backwards and every time we get to the end of a day or a week or just the end of a task, I'm going to keep reminding you of how far you've come. And it was really interesting because when we had an end of year review, it was so easy to talk about the gains 
and to show that it meant that that fear of new things and going outside your comfort zone lessens because you've got all of this solid foundation to build on. So I find that very helpful. I think what the gap and the gain is, is it's a shorthand. It's an easy way to define where you are in a process. Do you feel that you are in a position of gain or do you still feel that there is a gap? And I think it's important that the gap isn't seen as a negative because if everything was perfect, we wouldn't advance. We wouldn't go anywhere. We'd just be sitting there just thinking, oh, it's all perfect. We don't need to do anything. You kind of always need to have a gap. Otherwise, you just sort of fester. You don't advance. And it's about being not afraid to embrace the fact that there is a gap. And I think before the concept of gap and gain, I think it was very hard to measure and to be able to articulate if you felt that progress had been made and also to acknowledge that there was room for improvement. Because if you can't measure it, how can you improve upon it? You know, you could in one sense have sort of multiple columns of different skills that you're learning and working out, you know, almost filling up the funnel between those zero and 10. When the funnel gets full, that means you've gained it, you've completely nailed it, and you've actually done your bit. You can now bring in another skill to learn. But your gap is never going to be equal across all facets. And I think that helps as well because human nature is such a lot of people focus on what they are without, not what they are with. And so if you can remind them of the withs and the things they have gained, it will encourage them to do more in other areas as well. So I think it provides more focus, definitely. If you don't know where you are right now, how can you plan to where you're going to go? I think really onboarding team members, I think is a really, really great way of doing it because you can show them. I literally just draw on a piece of paper. Here is where you are. Here is where you want to be. Where are you now? Oh, you're about here. And when we do that, I then say, okay, I want you to think for a minute. The easiest thing is you're going to look at that line and go, look how far I still have to go. I want you to turn around. Look how far you've come. Because people just don't acknowledge the progress they've made. They just focus on the, where they have to go. So, for example, when I was onboarding one person, they were like, oh, you know, I don't know this and I don't know that. And I don't know this. I said, okay, I want you to think back. Think back a month ago when you first started with us. You know, and I started reeling off particular types of investment types that you didn't know what this was. You didn't know what that was. You didn't know what those letters stood for. You know all of that now, don't you? And they went, yes. I said, there's your gain. For me, who jumps ahead and runs much faster, the revolutions I cycle at are faster than a lot of other people's are. It's a really good way to help me be able to talk to them in a way that they can measure their success. Because if I just say, oh, you've done really well, what does that mean? That doesn't really mean anything. If I can make them see in the, through their own eyes the progress they've made, that's when it just boosts it. And it strengthens our relationship as much as anything. I think that's the really key thing because I think an entrepreneur is only as good as the team that they have. And I find it really interesting because, you know, I hear people talk about who works for them. Nobody works for me. They all work with me. And I've always made a very strong point that the language I use, because words are so powerful. And I remember 
Dan, of talking about, you know, your team, do you view it as a cost or an investment? And I think it's that idea is you've got to invest in people because the return on your investment is enormous. You just think of it as a cost. You're going in with the wrong attitude. So I think in that sort of situation, in particular with the person I'm thinking of in the team, it became a really good shorthand as they developed and they grew that we could start using it as a, well, look at that. That's another game. That's another game. We used the terminology so it became very natural. And they were able to sort of be like, yep, look what I've done. I've done this now. So great to see that person flourish off the back of that. I always look back and I think, you know, when I started working with my father, I think sometimes people think, oh gosh, there was a real plan. If anything, it was an evolution. There are occasions when, yes, there's suddenly a springboard moment. But I think that we've moved forward. The challenge is, I think, making sure that we're able to bring everybody with us on the journey, you know, because we've built such a strong connection. You want to be able to see that. And seeing how people have changed, you know, some of the team have gone on and they've been studying, they've got qualifications, diplomas, things that I don't think when they started, they would have ever even have thought that that was something that they would have done. And great real achievements that they've done. And I'm proud to be able to give them an environment where they've been able to work and to grow in that way. That gives me great satisfaction. It's all as if it was meant, you know, I think often these things you look back and it actually looks like there was a path that was plotted out. Never, ever felt like that. That's for sure. I'm so thrilled that Katie has become a master. And she says, just unbelievable how much progress we're making as a company and what great team members I'm bringing on and how much they're making in their specialties you know, in the team that we have. But she says they're doing this in their outside life and they're just having great lives and they're achieving amazing things and they're happy. And she says it's a real thrill to me to know that a lot of them could have been on a totally wrong path in life and never been happy, but because they work for my company and we operate according to the gain rather than the gap, they're happy working in the company, but I've also shown them a way to be happy in their whole life. So it's a great story. I mean, entrepreneurism is a whole way of life. And Katie Ridlin is just one of the great examples of an entrepreneur who's doing good for herself, she's doing good for her company, she's doing good for her team, but she's just doing good for everybody she encounters because she's coming totally from the gain and not at all from the gap. Mm -hmm.